If I was a little tougher, I would have been in the pulpit a week earlier and would have preached this sermon on Father's Day. But I'm not, and I didn't. So we come to a really good text for Father's Day one week late. At least it, it would be if we could break away from the traditional linkage of mothers and daughters on Mother's Day and fathers and sons on Father's Day. Not that there's anything wrong with special events for mothers and daughters and fathers and sons, but in doing so, we don't want to give the impression that wholesome and beautiful relationships between mothers and sons and fathers and daughters don't also exist. Now, I do realize that relationships between a parent and a child of the opposite sex can become perverted, and we must be vigilant to guard against such. But we must not let the fear of something becoming ugly keep us from that which God intends to be beautiful. And the relationship between a parent and child of either sex can and should be an amazingly beautiful and wonderful thing. I've certainly been blessed by both. And like most fathers, I discovered that while a son tends to reinforce masculine traits in a man, a daughter can actually bring out the best in her daddy, making him more loving and tender and bringing out characteristics that society tends to hide in a man. Well, in our text for today, we see the effect a little girl had on her daddy. And she definitely brought out the best in him. Because of her love for him and his love for her, we find him developing humility, patience, and faith. Qualities that most dads could use a little more of. We're in Luke chapter 8, ready for verse 40. And as Jesus returned, the multitude welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue. And he fell at Jesus' feet and began to entreat him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. After casting the demons out of the Gadarene demoniac and allowing them to enter into 2,000 pigs that drowned themselves, Jesus was asked to leave the area. The people were afraid of him and what it might cost them if he remained. And since Jesus won't stay where he's not welcome, he left and sailed back to the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Most likely arriving near Capernaum, he was met by a welcoming multitude. And among those waiting for him was a man Jesus probably did not expect to see among a welcoming committee, Jairus, an official from the synagogue. Actually, Jairus was more than just an official in the local synagogue. He was the ruler of the synagogue. He was the man in charge of what went on there, who ordered the services and scheduled the rabbis. He was a very important man, a highly respected Jewish leader. And you may remember that by now Jesus was not very popular with most Jewish leaders. In fact, one of the reasons he was teaching in the country was that doors to most synagogues were closing to him. He was not welcomed there. And there's no reason to believe Jairus was any different. Most likely, he had opposed Jesus and had sought to prevent him from teaching in the synagogue. He probably didn't like Jesus, but his daughter was dying. She was only 12 years old. But she was dying. Jairus had no doubt sought out the best medical care available. But it looked hopeless. She was dying. 
But Jairus has heard that Jesus could heal people. In fact, he may have actually witnessed it. That probably hadn't convinced him to welcome Jesus into the synagogue to teach, but maybe this miracle worker could do something about his daughter's condition. So Jairus swallowed his pride, fell at Jesus' feet, and begged him to come heal his daughter. I doubt that was an easy thing to do. He was used to telling people what to do. And here he was entreating, begging the one he had probably publicly opposed. But for the love of a daughter, he was willing to do it. He admitted his need and asked for help. Something every man must do if he's to be helped in life. By the God who created him. Far too many men are afraid to humble themselves and ask for God's help. They've been taught that a man should be able to stand alone, be tough, and handle whatever life throws at him. But if anything will break through that tough facade, it's a need a daddy can't meet in a child's life. Be it a physical need, an emotional need, or a spiritual need. And thankfully, many fathers sense a need in their children's lives that only Christ can meet. Even if they have closed the door to the church for themselves, they get their children into Sunday school or vacation Bible school. They make an effort to bring their children to Jesus and in doing so, often find him for themselves as well. They're brought to Christ out of love for their children. And that's what happened to Jairus. Through his daughter's need, he humbled himself enough to come before the Lord and seek his help. That's not all that happened. Let's read on. But as he went, the multitudes were pressing against him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the multitudes are crowding and pressing upon you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, it seems strange that this incident is placed in the middle of the account of Jairus' encounter with Christ. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke all do it. Now, it's true it happened then, but still it seems as if it cuts into the middle of the story. Maybe that's the point. On the way to Jairus' house, Jesus got sidetracked. The multitudes were pressing against Jesus, slowing down progress. And then a woman in the crowd did something that brought everything to a halt. She touched Jesus, and he made quite an issue of it. Luke tells us this woman had a hemorrhage of blood, a constant menstrual flow. She had had it for 12 years. And could be healed by no one. Mark adds that she had endured much at the hands of doctors. Had used up all her resources. And had only grown worse. Dr. Luke leaves out that detail. Her condition was much worse than an inconvenience. It made her ceremonially unclean. As such, she could not enter into a place of worship. And no one could touch her. 
without being defiled. She could have no intimate contact with her husband. She was an ostracized, humiliated, lonely woman. She quietly slipped through the crowd, hoping to just touch the fringe of Jesus' cloak and maybe be healed without the embarrassment of asking for help. She did it, and it worked. When she touched the tassel of Jesus' outer garment, the flow stopped immediately. She tried to slip away. But Jesus called attention to what had happened by asking, Who touched me? Peter responded with an incredulous, Duh, you're in the middle of a crowd. No, loosely translated. <laughs> Jesus got more specific. Not only had someone touched him, he had felt power go out of himself. When the woman knew that she had been found out, she came trembling and fell before him. She confessed what she had done and why. Jesus had forced her into the open, but, but why? It certainly seems insensitive of him. But he had forced her into the open for a couple of very good reasons. First, now all would know that she had been healed. And would receive her back into society. And perhaps even more importantly, he wanted her to know that it was faith in him that had made her whole. Not some type of magic tassel. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now this is indeed a beautiful story of Jesus caring about a woman in need. But why disrupt the story of Jairus with it? And what was Jairus doing all this time? Maybe that's the point. I'm certain this was an extremely frustrating interruption for Jairus. His 12-year-old daughter was dying. This woman had had her condition for 12 years. She could have waited a little longer. He was no doubt going crazy at the delay. But he said nothing. For the love of a daughter, Jairus exercised patience. It didn't make sense to him why Jesus was taking time for this woman when there was a much more pressing need, at least for him. But he didn't go off in a huff. Or try to take control of the situation himself. He was, in fact, learning to let God deal with those situations that were out of his control. And that is certainly a lesson we all need to learn, especially when dealing with children. There are some things that are simply out of our control. And someday, even Blake will learn that. <laughs> there are times when a parent must simply be patient and let God handle things in his own way and in his own time. And there will be times we won't understand what God is or isn't doing, but we've got to trust him. Let our faith in him go deep. Jairus had to, especially as the situation took a turn for the worse. While he was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue official saying, Your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe, and she shall be made well. And when he had come to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the girl's father and mother. Now they were all weeping and lamenting for her. But he said, Stop weeping, for she has not died, but is asleep. 
And they began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. He, however, took her by the hand and called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she rose immediately. And he gave orders for something to be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. While Jesus was talking to the woman, Jairus received word that his daughter had died. And the messenger included his take on the situation. No need to trouble the teacher anymore. It was too late. All hope was gone. She was dead. But Jesus overheard the message. And he told Jairus in no uncertain terms, Do not be afraid. Only believe. And she shall be made well. Now I find it interesting that the translators of the New American Standard Version the most literal translation available, felt a need to insert the words any longer. Do not be afraid any longer. The text certainly doesn't demand it, and it makes perfect sense without it. Words are usually inserted and designated as such by italics when they're needed to give understanding to an awkward literal translation of one language into another. But this isn't awkward without the inserted words. And the New International Version didn't see the need to insert them. The only reason I can think for doing so might be that the translators of the NASV were thinking like parents when working on this passage. You know, hearing that your child has died would cause great grief but it probably wouldn't cause fear. A parent's greatest fear is that they might outlive a child. And knowing that his daughter was near death is what caused great fear in this father's life. It's what motivated him to come to Jesus. His fear began long before he heard his daughter had died. And Jesus addressed that fear by simply saying, do not be afraid. Only believe. And she should be made well. Now those words made no sense at all. She was dead. It was too late for her to be made well. But for some reason, the man did believe Jesus. And they continued the house together. When they got there, they were greeted by a crowd of mourners, flute players, and wailing women. Jesus told them to stop weeping. She was not dead, only asleep. They laughed at him. (laughs) That's amazing. They laughed at him. They knew she was dead. The mourners actually laughed at the Son of God. But, of course, at that point in time, they didn't know who he was. Nor did they know that death is but sleep in his presence. Mark tells us Jesus sent them out of the house and went into her room with her parents and three of his closest disciples. He then took her hand and said, Child, arise. Actually, he said, Talitha kum, little lamb, wake up. That's awesome. Immediately, the girl arose and began walking around. Luke explains what happened by telling us quite simply that her spirit returned. Her parents. And the three disciples were completely astounded. Jesus then gave orders for her to be given something to eat. I'm not really sure if it was for her sake 
or simply to give her mother something to do. We aren't told what her father did. We can only imagine. When others said there was no hope for his daughter, Jairus put his faith in Jesus. And that faith was rewarded. He got his daughter back. As will all who put their faith in Jesus and raise their children to do the same. For the love of a daughter, Jairus had come to Jesus. And in doing so, he became a man of greater humility, patience, and faith. The same can happen to us. Christ can use our children to develop humility, patience, and faith in our lives. If we'll surrender our children and ourselves 